Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. This week, I'm discussing kids, sports, and competition. This episode is relevant to parents of toddlers through high school because I discuss the physical development throughout childhood and how and when different levels of training and sports best fits in with this development. I felt that on the heels of the Olympics that this is a timely, interesting, and important topic. When the age of the average Olympian is just 23 years old, there's no doubt most of those athletes spent a vast majority of their childhood developing their talents. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but for every athlete we see competing, there are hundreds of others who dedicated just as much time, whose families sacrificed just as much, but who didn't make the Olympic team. Then there are other sports and dreams like Little League and professional football and college scholarships. But many professionals, from sports journalists to psychologists to other parents, have pointed out big and growing problems in the way we approach kids' sports. So I want to start by talking about the purpose of kids' sports. The purpose of kids' sports should be for things like building balance and coordination, fundamental skills, and a love of fitness and appreciation for body performance. With other life skills like goal setting and perseverance, and an acceptance of failure and an ability to move beyond it. So with these in mind as goals, it can and should change the approach to many kids' sports programs and keep the practices, protocols, support, and any competition in line in support of putting our children's development and health, both physical and mental-emotional, at the forefront. Before I had kids, and when they were very little, I had heard nightmare stories about kids' sports and parents and coaches pushing kids too hard, putting immense and unrealistic pressure on kids, parents and or coaches taking the fun out of the game by making it all about winning, chastising the kid who didn't perform and lost the game for the team. Even back then, I knew sports should be about fun with friends, enjoyment of the game, and being physically active and building basic skills, both physical and emotional, about how the problems in kids' sports include that 70% of kids are quitting organized sports by age 13, which is just when they should really be getting going in these competitive sports. The top reasons kids name is that they're being pushed too hard by parents and or coaches. We're seeing injuries in kids at 12, 13, and 14 years old that we used to only see in adult professional players. The basic trend in kids' sports seems to be too much, too soon. So fast forward seven plus years later, I now have a seven-year-old who shows quite a bit of promise in swimming. So this topic has become something I've now found myself dealing with on a personal level. For a quick background, when Carter was five, we moved to a house with a pool and it became a top priority that all our kids learn how to swim as soon as possible. 
and not just us, but pretty much every other house in this town has a pool. So it really was a matter of safety. That summer when he was five, I signed him up for a series of six lessons, two a week for three weeks. And after learning the basics of bobbing and retrieving rings from the bottom of the pool, he picked up freestyle after just a couple of lessons. He didn't swim again for a year when I asked him if he wanted to join our local community swim team. Our local housing development has this really nice swim program where we have a team for our housing development. The next housing development over has a swim team. We all come together. The parents mingle and enjoy each other. We all volunteer and pitch in. It's just a really, really great community event. And I was told it was the thing to do in the summer in our community, and it really is. Now, he improved so much that first summer that I asked him if he wanted to continue into the fall. I could tell that he had some aptitude. He said yes, so we joined another local team that works with kids from beginner learn to swim all the way through Olympic-level athletes, and they actually had two of their swimmers go to Rio this summer, and both of them won medals. Now, Carter swam with the pre-competitive team all fall and winter, but I felt the program was too intense and the coaches too hard on a six-year-old, and my son was complaining about it. So we left, and then we went back to our community team this summer, and he's now on a new team. After four days of practice, the coach felt he was ready for the next level and wanted to promote him to the advanced level swim team practice. But when I saw the practices are 90 minutes long, I thought it was too much, too much time out of his day, too much practice for a seven-year-old, and too big of a jump from 45 minutes of practice to 90 minutes, double his current practice time. But what is a parent to do when their child isn't being challenged and spends a lot of practice fooling around while he waits for the other kids to learn the drills? When he finishes practice, he goes home and wrestles with his siblings and runs around because he's still full of energy way into the evening hours. So I know he needs more, but I don't want him to burn out or push him too far. And I'll talk about what I did and how it's working for us after I cover the information on when and how the experts recommend we introduce kids to sporting activities from toddlerhood through high school and things we also need to watch out for. First, as with anything in parenting, it's important to face ourselves and our experiences past and present to see how they color our experience of our child in sports. So two areas to consider are our own experience with athletics or lack thereof, and then any areas that might trigger us to feel anxious, frustrated, angry, or cause us to overreact when it comes to our child and sports. These two things can and most likely will overlap in some areas. So I'll start by sharing some of these common triggers. Some parents see sports as a way for their child to get out of poverty or economic hardship. Some parents get upset when they feel their child is being treated unfairly by teammates, other parents, or the coach. Jealousy can arise when another teammate experiences success, gets a lot of attention, or both. And we get anxious when we fear our child isn't competitive enough or doesn't appear to be tough enough to succeed in life, and so we push them even harder. We want our kids to follow in our footsteps or mimic our sports success or perhaps succeed where we failed, giving him or her the support and coaching we feel we didn't get, but sometimes can go overboard or way overboard. We get anxious when our kids underperform. We see them as extensions of ourselves, as indicators of our success or failure as a parent. We take it personally. Of course, this and the other triggers I mentioned 
don't just go for sports. They can be true in academics or other extracurricular arenas as well. They just show more prominently and publicly in the sports world. The overzealous parent yelling at the coach, the umpire, or other sporting officials, or even the other kids. So the first thing we need to do is to come to terms with our own sports history, anything unresolved, and how our experience affects how we perceive our child's sports experience. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. As I've shared a bit about in many of the episodes, I have my own experience with athletics some of which I know I will need to remain aware of so that I can check myself on it so it doesn't affect my children as they move forward in athletics. Whether or not you have some, a little, a lot, or no experience with athletics, you will have preconceived ideas and most likely some unfulfilled expectations and goals of your own that you will want to be aware of and keep in check in order to allow your children's journey with sports, athletics, or physical fitness to be their own and be able to support them in the healthiest manner possible. 
So as with almost everything parenting, there are some differing guidelines, and I'll share so you can take the information and then decide what feels best for your family situation and your individual child or children. But since I got a great question this week that is actually a perfect way to share this information, I'm going to go ahead and answer the question while also sharing the guidelines. Julia from Phoenix asks, what would you recommend for a sport for my three-year-old son? Our community has t-ball and soccer available for his age group. Or would it be better to wait until he's four when he can join a league of some sort? Thank you for this question, Julia. It's the perfect opportunity for me to share the basics of the three sets of guidelines for when and how to get kids started in organized sports. These guidelines are from child development experts, and we fall into three main camps. The first set of guidelines are the most conservative guidelines, and I don't have a lot of time to get into all the whys of these guidelines, and I will be adding a class on the site in the next two to three months with much more detail on whens and whys of kids, sports, and competition. But just for a brief background, developmentally, a sense of competition kicks in around the ages of three to four. It heightens at age six and seven and then tends to die down. Now, obviously, some kids are more competitive by nature than others, so that plays a role as well. When kids get to this competitive stage, we want to teach them how to be a good winner and a good loser. And when I create the class, I'll cover all the ways to do this and how to introduce competition to build this healthy sense of competition and balance. But I don't have time to go into that in this episode. Now, we also need to take into consideration kids' physical development. So these more conservative guidelines are really about making sure that kids' bodies are not just ready for the sport they would be playing, but also making sure that all the gross motor skills are developing and on board appropriately before they start to specialize, and that they're not being overdeveloped in one area, leaving another area underdeveloped. So the first camp divides sports play into four stages. Stage one is for developing balance and coordination. They advocate for lots of free play with some small amounts of skill building, but no sport-specific training during this stage. And stage one, they say, is for ages five to eight. Now, stage two, they say, is fundamental skill building, learning kicking, balance, catching, throwing, and introduction to team play. They say this stage is for ages nine to 11. Stage three is sports-specific training for ages 13 to 15. And finally, stage four is training and competition. And they say this is to be reserved for ages 16 and over. Now, as you can see, this is pretty conservative, especially given our current sports culture here in the United States. And again, I don't have experience with other countries. I'm sure that it's probably pretty similar. But here in the United States, we have a very strong sports culture, and it starts very early. This is the stance of the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, along with many other child development experts. Now, the other camp, children can start to specialize in a sport as early as eight if the child chooses and is interested. But if the child isn't interested, then no need to rush or push it. Just keep working on some skill building and lots of free play outdoors and keep them moving. So what this means for your situation, Julia, is that Even the most liberal of the child development camps would recommend at these early toddler ages, three and four, to just do lots of free play and maybe a little bit of skill building if you want to, like kicking the ball around, maybe a little work on balance. If you feel like you want to do an organized class, a toddler tumbling class would be a good choice, or of course, some swim lessons are always great. 
Swimming is a great way to develop the whole body, body balance, and the way the whole body works together. And it's often a big recommendation from pediatricians. Plus, since you live in Phoenix, like we have here in Southern California, there are swimming pools everywhere. So it can even become an important safety issue. But I recommend you wait until at least five before starting any organized sports. And then only a very play-based skill building, maybe soccer group, swimming, tumbling, something that works the whole body to some degree and gives more opportunity for movement rather than a lot of standing around that can be common in some sports. And also little kids have very short attention spans. And once they start school around five, they really need that opportunity to just burn off some steam after school, not another opportunity to have to focus, listen, and perform. I think following any of these guidelines is perfectly safe and healthy for a child's development. And actually, we have a young woman here in town who was on the team, my oldest son was on last year, who started swimming at 12. At 19, she broke the American women's 50-yard freestyle record and went to the Olympics this past summer, earning a silver and a gold medal in swimming. But if you've been listening to this podcast a little while, you also know I'm a big advocate for considering the child's interests and feelings. And this brings me back to the dilemma we had with our seven-year-old getting promoted to the advanced swim group, an hour and a half practice, four days a week, that I said, no way. Yet the beginner two group is too elementary for him. He's getting pretty bored. So first, I wanted to check in with Carter. He was obviously excited about being promoted, but I felt it was important that he be aware of the practice schedule and the commitment that he would be signing up for. So I asked him without letting on about any of my own feelings. I said, so the advanced practice is 90 minutes. That's an hour and a half, four times a week. That's twice as long as the practice you have right now. What do you think? He said, I think that sounds a little bit too long. And I said, you know what? I agree with you. I think that's a good choice. So what I ended up doing was having a call with the head coach. And this guy is amazing. This is the head coach of the entire team from the beginners all the way through the seniors. When we left the other team to join this one, this is one of the big reasons. When I spoke with this coach initially, Coach Chris, I knew he was the real deal and what I wanted for my kids. So during this conversation about Carter's promotion, I told him my concerns, the long practice, double his current practice, that I didn't feel that the length of practice was age appropriate for a seven-year-old. Now, the age of most of the swimmers in this group is nine to 10 with a couple 11-year-olds and also there's one eight-year-old. I also shared with him that Carter loves the sport so much. He's so motivated and really wants to improve, really wants to move up, really wants to hit those next level of swim times, but I don't want him to burn out. Coach Chris agreed with me wholeheartedly on every level and also felt that it all needs to be up to Carter. He suggested that I talk to Carter and invite him to try out the advanced practice. If he likes it, he could go one to two days a week and then do the easier group another two to three days. Then he said we could leave it up to Carter about when he feels ready to move up. So that's what I did. I spoke with Carter, and Carter was interested in trying out the practice. He just went to his first advanced practice last night. It was definitely a big step up. Lots of equipment to manage and change out during the practice, learning about the pace clock, lots and lots of yardage, but he rocked it. The advanced coach thought he did great and was totally ready for the group. But I asked Carter, 
and he said he thought it was a lot to do four days a week. I asked if he wanted to go back one more day this week, and he does. He says he does want to do the two days a week at the advanced level. So Coach Chris and I are leaving it totally up to him to decide when he wants to move up. And while he's doing more, earlier than I ever would have expected or imagined, I feel really comfortable with the situation because he gets to be fully in charge of his progression. This topic is deep and complicated, but this should give any parent whose kids are already in sports or thinking about sports or who want their kids to participate in sports down the road some things to consider and be aware of. I got another great question this week about homework in preschools that I don't have time to answer today. So I plan to answer that in next week's episode, where I will briefly share about child development research and why parents should be interested and care about it, how it works, and some ways we can know if the research is sound. I will share all the things that I look for before I share any research with my audience because it's so important to me that the research be sound and well-vetted. I don't want to give everyone advice based on poorly designed or sloppily done research. I want to make sure it's the best information out there. Then I'll also spend a good portion of the episode catching up on some of these questions I've been getting, including the one on homework in preschools. If you have a parenting question, please be sure to send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. To see what episodes we have coming up, go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.